Happy anniversary! Oh, happy anniversary! <laughs> Sorry, I'm busy looking at pictures of Gollum. We have officially <laughs> been doing Creeps and Coffee for one whole year. Woo! Thanks for surviving with us. Yeah. I, I honestly thought we would do this for like two episodes, then we'd be like, nah. Really? I don't know. Oh, I was hoping we'd go further. I was hoping we would, but I thought, like, oh, with yeah, my attention span? Precisely. Yeah. But you know what? I think it has been a wonderful year filled with many exciting adventures. And I'm happy to be on this journey with you, Jane. Thank you. Me too. I'm just glad that we're around. The world <laughs> hasn't ended yet. Mm-hmm. That is nice as well. I forgot we were recording and I was just having a conversation. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah. Our biggest thanks is to you guys for putting up with us for a whole year. Yeah, thanks for listening and following us on Instagram and stuff. And liking and commenting and sharing. Yeah, the little things matter. Maybe not to, like, people of millions and millions of followers, but every time we get a new like or a new follow, we're like, Did you see? Did you see? And we're, like, screenshotting stuff and sending it to each other. Every time we get a new listener from a different country, I text Caitlin and I'm like, did you see we got a new listener from France? Mm -hmm. Did you see we got a new listener from Arizona? (laughs) Like, I just get so excited. Mm. Well, it's just, I still think it's surreal. Why are you listening to us? (laughs) Yeah, we started this just because... It's nice for us to, I don't know, kind of be Be nerdy. Yeah, to document our our friendship and our interests and sort of share that commonality with people. Mm -hmm. But it's nice that we've been able to have this little community to join that's sort of welcomed us with open arms. Mm. And we are very grateful for you guys all around the world. I thoroughly enjoy the research aspect of it. It's so much fun. It's fun because it's not... (laughs) Like, I'm back in high school having to do research on a war 500 years ago that I don't know or care about. Yeah, that's I know Caitlin likes history, but I do not. (laughs) But when I'm like, oh, I have to do research on aliens from the Cold War, I will thoroughly deep dive for seven hours on that. Mm -hmm. So this has allowed me to explore my interests a lot more. Mm -hmm. (sighs) So thanks. I'm Kate. And I'm Jane. And this is Creeps and Coffee. A show where we talk about the dark parts of the world around us. Cryptids, conspiracies, things that go bump in the night. And the crimes behind the scariest creatures of all, humans. Join us as we take a look at the stories sure to give you the creeps. Pull up a seat, grab a coffee, and let's have a chat. We thought... To celebrate our first anniversary, we would do a little special bonus show. And (laughs) (laughs) we had so much fun. For those of you that have listened to our Halloween special from Mm -hmm. back in October, we did a shorter episode. Was it? Yeah, I guess. Okay. I don't know. I don't remember. We did an episode. Yeah, it was... So long ago. Yeah. Not September. Nope. Halloween is in October. October. We took a look at some 
creepy stories that we found on Reddit, on different websites. Mm-hmm. This time or last time? Last time. Okay. Sorry, I'm not here. <laughs> we found some Halloween-themed stories last time. <laughs> really just tried to freak each other out, I think, was the goal there. And, um, and really short stories, too, because I'm not theatrical like Caitlin. She had me on the edge of my seat. And meanwhile, I was like, boo. <laughs> running in the dark water and then scary. Hey, they still got me. So good. <laughs> uh, but we had so much fun doing stuff like that. And we had so many positive responses from you guys that we thought it would be fun to do that again for our, our one year show. I think it's nice too, because it's sort of how we got started in, in talking about doing a show like this was just sharing scary stories with each other yeah. and and doing stuff like that. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to this because it also gives me an excuse to use 12 years of drama. Yeah. On the other hand, I'm dreading it because I, I can't perform, let alone under pressure. You get to practice your reading comprehension skills. And I <laughs> so just... Just bear with me when I read pretend to be scared, guys. I usually am. As I stutter and mispronounce words, like, what did I mispronounce earlier? Minutia? Minutia, yeah. Minutia. What did I say? Minita? Yeah, you went minuta? Yeah. There's a lot of that. That's why Siri thought you said neuter. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, hey, Siri, what's a minetta? (laughs) Siri was like, what? In classical physics and general chemistry... Matter is any substance that has mass and takes up space by having volume. Thanks, Siri. (laughs) No! (laughs) Yeah, I think without further ado, do you have any other thoughts? What's our rating system going to be this time? Oh, I also want to say happy belated birthday to my mom, happy belated birthday to my grandma, happy belated birthday to my grandfather, and happy belated Mother's Day. Because they all happened around the same time. Mother's Day was... Almost a month ago? Yeah, and we didn't say anything about it. So happy belated Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Yeah. <laughs> I think for rating system, we should do out of 10 uh, scream knives. Oh. You know? Did we tell people about our scream marathon? No. Do you want to? <laughs> it was a lot. So I had never seen the scream films. Mm-hmm. I had seen Scary Movie. So that was about the only context of Scream that I had. Mm-hmm. And Jamie thoroughly enjoyed the first Scream film. Yeah. But hadn't seen the others. Am I correct? Oh, I'd seen all of them. Oh. Jamie thoroughly enjoyed all of the Scream films. <laughs> and I had not seen any. So we were going to watch the fifth one. But we realized I should probably watch the rest. Mm-hmm. And then the day that we realized that, was the day that they were all being removed from Amazon Prime. (laughs) So we stayed up all night. Till like 5 a.m. To watch every Scream film, except the fifth one, which is why we were doing it in the first place. Cost money. It does cost money. And it wasn't leaving Amazon Prime. So It was great, though. Oh, fantastic. I love seeing your reactions to, like, the surprises. Well, here's the thing. The whodunits. Everything in Scary Movie was suddenly made perfect sense. Yeah. Just, I was like... Oh, you watched the parody first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And I've seen all the scary movies. Um, never occurred to me to watch Scream. Oh, you stress me out. <laughs> yeah, I have a tendency to do that. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so are we doing 10 Scream knives? All right. So that's cool. Yeah, I think so. Because I can just visualize it. Yeah. I can hear the psycho. The sounds like the <laughs> <laughs> What about the synth? Oh god. Different movie. Anyway, I like that rating system. I'm in. Yay! Okay. Scary stories. Can we dive right in? Sure. So the first story that we are going to go through today. Yeah. Tonight. Our first story is called The Blink of an Eye. And it was written by James Colton. Henry never believed the stories. A marketing trick, that's all they were. Meant to lure tourists who wanted to be fooled. That's what he told the curator in so many words during his job interview. The curator gave Henry a tour of the museum just after closing on Friday night and introduced him to Martha Carnwood. She was a local legend found buried under the foundation of a ruined cottage deep in the Carnhill woods. A few other sets of remains had been found, but Martha was the only one who hadn't rotted down to the bones. The rumors began almost as soon as she was put on public display in the museum. Henry believed it was just a self-fulfilling prophecy. If everyone expected her to blink, then, amidst all the jostling and camera flashes, someone was sure to imagine they saw her blink. As for the blurry photographic evidence that circulated on the internet, those were just shadows cast at unnatural angles, or reflections off her glass case. Aspiring ghost hunters had been duped by less. The curator seemed encouraged by Henry's skepticism. It indicated a level head and strong nerves, and Henry was appointed to the post of night guard. He started his first shift the following Monday. Henry didn't visit Martha often that first night, not that he was scared. He didn't believe the stories. But walking past a corpse in the dark would unnerve anyone. Mm -hmm. During his tour the previous week, Henry had thought she looked like an old paper bag, stained, stuffed, and dressed, with facial features crudely cut, as if by a child. Her eyes, of course, were closed. Fortunately, Martha was tucked in a dead-end corridor at the back of the museum. There was a service door at the far end, but it was kept locked after hours, so would-be trespassers couldn't use it. Henry could stroll along the adjoining passage, glance down Martha's Hall if he felt so inclined, and generally pretend she didn't exist. But sometime around 3 a.m., as he was patrolling near Martha's corridor, no. Henry thought he heard the service door click shut. He pointed his flashlight toward the end of the hall and saw nothing. But something must have made the noise. Henry strolled down the hall, passing Martha Carnwood, and checked the surface door to confirm that it was still locked. It was. Maybe someone was hiding. A supernatural thrill-seeker hoping to catch a private performance for Martha. Henry swung his flashlight around to search for the intruder. The beam passed over Martha's display case, and Henry's heart jumped. For a moment, he thought, no, it, it was just a glare of his flashlight off the glass. Henry wasn't superstitious. 
he didn't believe the rumors. There were very few places for an intruder to hide. Henry checked them all before deciding the sound must have been the heating system shutting off. He was about to leave when his light once more passed across Martha's case. Henry froze. He wanted to move his flashlight, wanted to look away, but Martha held his gaze. Her eyes were closed, as always, and her gash of a mouth spread across her face in a serene smile. Frozen. It wasn't right. A human body shouldn't be so still. A statue of marble could get away with it, but not this, with its papery skin and intelligent expression, and those fingers poking out from frilled sleeves and curling gently against her unmoving chest. Perfectly formed fingers, like a doll's, only brown and with nails that were yellow and jagged. Henry tried to focus on those ruined nails and abhorrently perfect fingers. Until he could remove his gaze entirely, he would look at nothing else, especially not that face, that smiling, lipless mouth, that collapsed nose, those... Henry choked and stumbled back. No, it was nothing. He'd been staring at her fingers. He, he hadn't been looking properly at her face. It was a trick of the poor light. The fancy of a nervous mind. Glimpsed, no, imagined, out of the corner of his eye. Her eyes hadn't, couldn't. Henry turned, forced himself not to run from the corridor. He maintained a steady gait and did not stop until Martha's passage was out of sight. Didn't stop until he was in the Carnhill wildlife exhibit, surrounded by stuffed birds and foxes and mice. Dead things still, but friendlier creatures. These didn't mock mankind's mortality. At worst, they only looked comically out of place, perhaps wearing a bewildered expression of, wait a moment, this isn't right, I shouldn't be here. Henry allowed the presence of the animals to calm him. These taxidermies were nothing horrible. And that's all Martha Carnwood was, after all, a natural taxidermy. She just seemed worse because she was human and poorly preserved compared with these well-posed creatures of fur and feathers. Henry, you're being ridiculous, he thought. Martha was just a body, an empty body. She couldn't move, couldn't blink. Henry knew this. He was a sensible man, not afraid of spooky legends. Yet, as he turned back in the direction of Martha's corridor, his skin prickled. Those eyelids, like flaps of torn paper, slowly parting to reveal black emptiness. Henry completed his patrol, making sure to give Martha's back corner a wide berth. He came to the main lobby and paused by the front doors. The street outside was dark and empty. The world was asleep. Only Henry was up and about, disturbing the air during this supreme hour of silence. Henry pushed on the doors to make sure they were locked. They rattled and echoed through the vast halls of the museum. The sound penetrated the farthest reaches and returned to Henry's ears like distant footsteps. He was very glad that Martha Carnwood was trapped in her case and couldn't get up and walk around. None of that, he thought. 
reminding himself that he wasn't a superstitious fellow. He hesitated a moment more before the doors. He could see his reflection in the glass. He could see the vague, transparent forms of the lobby behind him. He could, just barely, see the dark openings of passages that led to the various exhibits. And the shadow glided out of sight around a corner. Henry spun and cast his light around the lobby. Who's there? he called. No one answered. Henry stood and listened. All quiet. But someone is here, he thought. He marched down the nearest corridor, the one he thought the shadow had vanished through. He passed rows of old farming tools and yellow documents. He rounded a corner and passed a diorama of the village of Carn Hill, filled with tiny, old-fashioned people going about menial tasks. He rounded another corner and found himself staring down at a dead end, at a single glass case, containing a still, dark form. In her bed as I left her, thought Henry, and he turned away quickly before his imagination could run wild. And imagination was all it was, of course. The figure he'd seen in the lobby doors? Imagination. Mm -hmm. Or perhaps a bird flying outside, its shadowy passage interfering with the reflections, warped by a nervous mind into the shape of a woman stepping through the darkness. And yet, as Henry returned to the security office for a cup of coffee, he couldn't shake the impression of footsteps following behind him. He refused to look, insisting, it's just my own echo. He passed once more through the wildlife exhibit and its widely staring animals. This time, they brought him little comfort. Their eyes seemed to him black and empty, and he wished they would close and stay closed until the sun came up. At the office, he filled his mug to the brim. I must be sleep-deprived, he thought. Maybe the caffeine would set his senses straight. He sat in a chair and drank his coffee, then poured himself a second cup. As he drank, Henry found himself thinking of the story the curator had told him, of the skeletons that had been dug up around Martha. Why had their flesh rotted away while Martha remained intact? Which? Sorry. <laughs> what exactly had the archaeologists unearthed in those deep woods? He imagined their surprise when they first uncovered Martha's serene, brown face. Had she blinked at them then? He could imagine it far too well, those eyelids drawing back like tattered paper curtains and revealing an abysmal darkness. Henry could see it, feel himself falling into it. He sat up with a start. Something crashed and shattered. He looked down and saw his coffee mug in pieces on the floor. Then he looked up at the office door and, without thinking why, hurried over to lock it. There he paused, leaning his weight against the door. He slowly put his ear to its cool surface and listened. A faint shuffling sound. A scuffing step. Henry held his breath. He felt glued to the door and his joints were fused like welded iron. Something touched the other side. A gentle, papery sound, like a hand stroking back and forth. It slid toward the doorknob, then stopped. Henry could hear his heart pounding against his ribs. Icy sweat oozed across his forehead. Something clicked against the other side.
then scraped across to where Henry held his ear against the door. And there, it sounded like a single tap. Henry threw himself back and collapsed in the chair. He stared at the door with eyes that felt like they were about to fall into his lap. The tapping became a furious scratching. Then, suddenly, it stopped. Henry panted in his chair, unable to move, unable to blink. The silence in the office grew until Henry could feel it pressing against his skull. He could feel it spreading throughout the museum. The vast, empty museum that Henry alone occupied. There was no one else but those sounds. Henry sat there for nearly an hour before thinking to himself, I need to check. He'd been hired to patrol the corridors and guard against intruders. An intruder was all it was. An intruder who was very good at hiding himself. An intruder that delighted in playing pranks on night guards. Well, Henry would not be pranked. He made himself get out of the chair and walk to the door. He unlocked it, cracked it open, and peered outside. Police were called to the museum early Tuesday morning. There was no sign of a break-in, and none of the exhibits had been tampered with. The only oddities they found were a broken coffee mug in the security office and a pile of bones in a dead-end corridor toward the back of the museum where the corpse of Martha Carnwood smiled at those who came to see her blink. The end. So he's dead. Yes. See, no. Okay. All right. I wouldn't have <laughs> stayed for the first 20 minutes. That's fair. If I think she's blinking, I'm out. Fair. No. Not a chance. I wouldn't work at a place that had a dead body in it to begin with. Mm. Fair. Like, I love museums. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. We all know that that is my shit. Mm -hmm. But if there's, like, a mummy there, no thanks. We've all seen the Brendan Fraser film. What about the Louvre? The Louvre is an art museum. Hmm? The Louvre is an art museum. But would you go there? Or work there? No. It's above the catacombs. How the fuck would I do that? <laughs> I've been there. It, it was cool. I'd go there in a heartbeat. But not work there? Not a chance. To be fair, it was creepy. They have secret passageways. Of course they and do. And they come out of the walls. Of course they do. The workers. Not just they. <laughs> they come out of the walls. Yeah, my mom and I went there and I was starving. And she was like, you have a granola bar. No one will know. But he popped it out of the wall panel and was like, you cannot have that here. I was like, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, Jane, you need to get kicked out of the Louvre. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give it a solid 6 out of 10 because there's a lot of big words I didn't understand. There was like two. Yeah. All right. Six scream knives. Okay. Acceptable. I'll do better next time. Was that your, like, strong lead or the rest worst? Or No. I, th I think the others are better. But not that it wasn't good. It was good. Mm. It you know what? I just would absolutely not be in that situation. Fair. You just felt different. No, I just avoid it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But like, what is she? Who knows? I want to know. What do you think she is? What do you guys think she is? As previously stated, a witch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like maybe like like a witch or something, or like uh, not a zombie. Someone who ate really healthy and did great skincare and just didn't die. She's just chilling. Drinking everybody. 
So mine are nowhere near as good or as detailed as Kaylin's, by the way. Hi, Bowie. And I also can't act, so... Oh, should I give mine a rating? Sure. Should we only rate each other? No, no. What did you think? Because you picked it. I think I agree with yours. I give it a six. I think the lead-up is great. Mm-hmm. The pile of bones ending is kind of disappointing. Yeah. yeah. What's up? What happened? What's going on? It's just bones. Why? Bones in a broken coffee mug. And you know what? It's how I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> in pink sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And two cats. Pink. Eating the bones. Yep. I don't doubt that for a second. And that's how Caitlin died. <laughs> Wait, did the cats kill him? No, they were just there. Oh, alright. That looks I like mean, that. if you've ever seen Love, Death, and Robots, cats rule the world anyway. <laughs> you know what? Spoiler alert to <laughs> something that came out to seven years ago. One of the episodes. Season one, episode one, cats take over the world. Alright. So mine is kind of cheesy. And a bit on the nose. I, I, I liked it. Mine is by B is Back. And it came out literally this week. I like, that. I think six days ago, seven days ago. Oh, so. shit. All right. Yeah, so kudos to you, writer, author, lady, person, man. Lady, person, man. Or writer. <laughs> <laughs> so it's called I Didn't Know the Air Could Rot. I didn't know that the air could rot. Not until I was locked in that box, suffocating beneath 1,000 pounds of rain-dampened soil. The casket was a gorgeous mahogany, lined with Egyptian cotton 9,000 thread count. Way too extravagant, too expensive for the dead. It's not like the inhabitants of the box could enjoy the luxury anyway. I was stuck down there. I could not move. I could feel my body and acute awareness, but one I had no control over. I was able to see and move my eyes, but that didn't matter much in the pitch black. I could hear as well, the rustling of the worms in the soil, the flick of my eyes when I tried to look around, and oh, could I smell. I couldn't breathe, and evidently I didn't need to, but that just meant that I was always, always subjected to the odors of the coffin. I could not turn it off. I don't know how long it had been since I'd been buried, but eventually the air started suffocating got heavier and mustier until every second was tortured. I could feel each speck of dust. I could taste each spore of mold. Was there even still air in this casket, or was it all just a thick miasma of rotten death? I'm here. I'm alive, I wanted to shout, but the sound was one boon apparently not given to me. I'm going to die here, I thought. But the longer I was down there, the more time I had to I started to realize, as I slowly became unable to move my eyes, that it was not the air that was wrong. It was not the air that was souring my lungs and suffocating. It was my own body, lying in the casket, in the cave. The rustling I'd been hearing had not been the worms outside in the dirt, but the worms who had made it inside as they feasted on my decomposing flesh. I didn't know the air could rot because it can't, but I was. Yeah. Ew. I don't like ew. I think it hit me because I don't like death and I have existential crises all the time. 
So here's my thing. But like, if that's what's after death, that sucks, and I really hope that doesn't happen to me. That's why I never want to be buried. Just cremate me. Yeah. <laughs> Pressurize my body into a diamond. I will, don't worry. It's not really scary, but it's gross. It's unsettling. Yeah. I give it six and a half. I'll rate it five and a half so that it equals out. <laughs> Quality. Wait, equals out to what? An average of six. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> okay. What math? Yeah. All right. Yeah. This next story. Mm -hmm. Switching up the content. Oh. You know? Taking a different approach. Okay. So this story, I do not know who it is by. Okay. But it is called Gateway of the Mind. Okay. In 1983, a team of deeply pious scientists conducted a radical experiment in an undisclosed facility. The scientists had theorized that a human without access to any senses or ways to perceive stimuli would be able to perceive the presence of God. They believed that the five senses clouded our awareness of eternity, and without them, a human could actually establish contact with God by thought. An elderly man, who claimed to have nothing left to live for, was the only test subject volunteer. To purge him of all his senses, the scientists performed a complex operation in which every sensory nerve connection to the brain was surgically severed. Although the test subject retained full muscular function, he could not see, hear, taste, smell, or feel. With no possible way to communicate with or even sense the outside world, he was alone with his thoughts. Scientists monitored him as he spoke aloud about the state of his mind in jumbled, slurred sentences that he couldn't even hear. After four days, the man claimed to be hearing hushed, unintelligible voices in his head. Assuming it was an onset of psychosis, the scientists paid little attention to the man's concerns. Two days later, the man cried that he could hear his dead wife speaking with him, and even more, he could communicate back. The scientists were intrigued, but were not convinced until the subject started naming dead relatives of the scientists. He repeated personal information to the scientists that only their dead spouses and parents would have known. At this point, a sizable portion of scientists had left the study. After a week of conversing with the deceased through his thoughts, the subject became distressed, saying the voices were overwhelming. In every waking moment, his consciousness was bombarded by hundreds of voices that refused to leave him alone. He frequently threw himself against the wall, trying to elicit a pain response. He begged the scientists for sedatives so he could escape the voices by sleeping. This tactic worked for three days until he started having severe night terrors. The subject repeatedly said that he could see and hear the deceased in his dreams. Only a day later, the subject began to scream and claw at his non-functional eyes, hoping to sense something in the physical world. The hysterical subject now said the voices of the dead were deafening and hostile, speaking of hell and the end of the world. At one point he yelled, no heaven, no forgiveness, for five hours straight. He continually begged to be killed, but the scientists were convinced that he was close to establishing contact with God. After another day, the subject could no longer form coherent sentences. Seemingly mad, 
He started to bite off chunks of flesh from his arm. The scientists rushed him to the test chamber and restrained him to a table so he could not kill himself. After a few hours of being tied down, the subject halted his struggling and screaming. He stared blankly at the ceiling as teardrops silently streaked across his face. For two weeks, the subject had to be manually rehydrated due to the constant crying. Eventually, he turned his head and, despite his blindness, made focused eye contact with the scientist for the first time in the study. He whispered, I have spoken with God, and he has abandoned us, and his vital signs stopped. There was no apparent cause of death. I like that one. <laughs> that was scary. Yeah. I like that one too. Yeah. It got a ten scream knives. Mm. I'll take it. It would be scarier, but I already knew God abandoned us, so <laughs> So it wasn't like it surprised any. But I lived through twenty twenty. Yeah. I've been alive for twenty two or three years. <laughs> I already know that. I like that you're not sure if it's 22 or 23. I, I keep saying I'm 23 in my brain. I'm not. I'm 22. It's true. But ever since I turned 22, I'm like, well, I'm basically 23. Yeah. So I just, in my brain, I'm like, well, I'm 23 now. Yep. I'm not anywhere near my birthday. Well, you're a month, I am now. You're a month away. I'm 23. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 23 now. Yeah. No, I like that one. What's your rating? I also give it eight. Stop copying me. I'm kidding. <laughs> Can't help it. We just agree on things. I like it. Like, I like it. And when I say that, then, like, I like it as in it scared me. Yeah. <laughs> it was spooky. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do you have next for us? It's, it, it, it doesn't really sound scary until the end. So just trust the process, okay? Okay. So this one is by... Psyoptic nerve in the brain. Psyoptic. Well, the optic nerve. Op- yep. I yeah. I figured that out as soon as I said it. I <laughs> yeah. looked at you in the eye. I was like, optic. You used your optic nerve to look me in the eye. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> this one's called a decorative gentleman. It's an odd thing, catching such a candid glimpse into someone's life. But from my vantage point, it happens far too often. People are less guarded around me. They never seem to worry about me overhearing their conversations or seeing the things that they want to keep private, even when they're standing right in front of me. Now I understand why, but that doesn't make the pill any easier to swallow. Take today, for instance. The second this couple walked through the door, I was uneasy. All this time, being a lawyer has made me aware of small details that regular people look past. Like the way her smile slipped from her face the moment she stopped making eye contact with the clerk. How his knuckles were bright white around her dainty hand. Or the well-practiced application of makeup to a beautiful face he felt the need to make his mark on. I watched them part ways and moved down separate aisles. He walked towards me, but my focus stayed with her. Even from the other side of the store, I could still see the iron grip he had on her. She made sure to always keep her head down, her movements timid and apprehensive, while she shopped, as if she expected him to appear over her shoulder at any second. 
could hear him rustling around behind me as I observed her, accompanied by his profane muttering. And now you're going to pick out the most expensive thing in here, yeah? Because why not? It's only my money, right? And yeah, I saw you looking at him on the way in, you cuss word, cuss word. You think I didn't notice? You wait until we get home. She chose a dress from the display and held it up by the hanger, admiring the garment before holding it against herself. I tried to imagine her wearing it, how elegant it would be draped around her figure, but it was clear she'd learned how to never linger on anything she cared for. That could only mean she cared for him less. She cast a fearful glance in his direction, quickly returning the dress to the rack before turning away. He made his way in front of me, still monitoring her every move while under the guise of browsing for slacks. I saw my opportunity, and now was the time to act. Plastic hands took him by the throat, pulling him off his feet. I covered his mouth, muffled his cries, and dragged him away. I didn't feel any of the punches, but the light leaving his eyes made me feel alive. Then I was back at my post, dutiful, fulfilling as a mannequin's role before anyone else noticed his or my absence. I watched her amble around, searching for him. Eventually, her eyes found me. I've worn a tireless amount of styles and fashions, but on that day, the blood on my hands stood out to her. It was his blood, but it meant her freedom. Holy shit. It was a mannequin! It was a mannequin! I remember reading that and being like, this isn't scary at all. It's a mannequin! I was like, oh, She's being abused. Yeah. Oh! It's a mannequin <laughs> killing the abuser! Yeah. Alright. I was hoping you weren't figuring it out right away. I was not. Because the title's called... A Decorative Gentleman. Decorative Gentleman. I thought it was going to be like the hat man. I don't like that. No. That's worse. <laughs> yeah. That's why I was like, no, no. But I don't like mannequins at all. Neither do I. Like, if you've ever seen Doctor Who or that video game, Little Nightmares. Have you seen Little Nightmares? Mm -hmm. I do not like that one when you're the flashlight. I couldn't. Nope. Yeah. No, thanks. If you don't know what I'm talking about, if you look up any clips on YouTube, ugh, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Yeah. So, mannequin, it had me spooked. Yeah. What are your thoughts, opinions, concerns? I did not like it. And by that, <laughs> I mean it was scary. In the way that you say you like it. Yeah. Seven and a half. Ooh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Sorry I'm not as good a storyteller as you. That's fine. And I can't take myself seriously. So while you're was, like, and he died. I was going to say, the giggling does And I'm like, and he it. died. Yeah. I can just tell how excited you are to get the to the end. Part. Yeah. Yeah, give seven at a scream knives, ten screams. Mm-hmm. What? It's crazy. What are we talking about? <laughs> uh, okay. Can you believe I graduated? <laughs> no comment. Anyway. University. <laughs> anyway. Our last one. Dun, dun, dun. Is, ironically enough, called Last One Today. <laughs> Insert scary music. <laughs> Whatever I can find that's not copyrighted. <laughs> Oh, copyright. <laughs> the scariest part of all. Not DMCA. Ah. <laughs> so this one is short, but it's actually one that I have read before but forgot about. Ooh, okay. And I like it. 
Mm-hmm. So I thought we'd go up with a bang. About ready? Yeah. Okay. Last one today. In Berlin, after World War II, money was short, supplies were tight, and it seemed like everyone was hungry. At that time, people were telling the tale of a young woman who saw a blind man picking his way through a crowd. The two started to talk. The man asked her for a favor. Could she deliver the letter to the address on the envelope? Well, it was on her way home, so she agreed. She started out to deliver the message. When she turned around to see if there was anything else the blind man needed. But she spotted him hurrying through the crowd without his smoked glasses or white cane. She was naturally suspicious, so she went to the police. When the police paid a visit to the address on the envelope, they made a gruesome discovery. Three butchers had been harvesting human flesh and selling it to the starving people. And what was in the envelope the man gave to the woman? A note saying simply, This is the last one I'm sending you today. Bum bum! That's where he put in the Law and Order theme song. The Law and Order special units. Special special victims. Special victims. Dun dun! I'm coming. See, that one's gross and scary because that's very realistic. Uh-huh. That's humans uh-huh. being nasty. Uh-huh. And people have harvested human meat before. Uh-huh. See, I think what I like about this one yeah. is that really the scariest thing of all, and I think we've said this a million times. It's a theme intro yeah. thing. Yeah. The scariest of all of the creatures out there humans. is humans. Human, like, what? why are we the way that we are? Yeah, I like that one. Short, straight to the point. Still freaky. Still freaky. Also, good on her for going to the police. I might not have. I would have been like, oh, weird. Weird. Must not be the blind guy. Yeah. See, I would absolutely get myself into this situation because I can't say no to doing favors for people. Yeah. (laughs) Especially strangers. Especially strangers that I think may be in a compromising position in life. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'll do anything for you. You want my liver? (laughs) Here you go. Yeah, seven out of ten scream knives. Mm. I give it six and a half. Oh, not so you've read it me. before. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I knew where it was going, but I liked it. <laughs> I did not know where it was going, <laughs> and I liked it. <laughs> I'm glad. I also enjoy stuff like that where um. It, it's kind of full circle with the title. Mm. Like, the title doesn't really make sense. Like, the laundry bin. And you're like, the laundry bin. Okay. And then you read it. And then the final sentence or whatever comes back to the laundry bin. And you're like, ah, the laundry bin. My student read me a haiku that he wrote today. <laughs> <laughs> that he called barbecue. Mm. I love it. And I was like, why did you write a haiku about a barbecue? Why not? And it was literally, there was a young boy who played. Don't copyright this. (laughs) The park outside. He smelt barbecue. Masterpiece. Right? And I was like, Beautiful. (laughs) To be fair, I remember writing haikus in like middle school. Hated it. But Mine were like that. Like, but I mean, that's the cat a, and dog cried. 
but that's exactly what you were talking about. The title came full circle, mm. and I was like, there's the barbecue. Barbecue. <laughs> it's like, there it is. All right. <laughs> the human flesh on the barbecue. <laughs> the butcher's grilled. The steak. The butcher's grilled steak. Made on the barbecue. <laughs> made of human flesh and bones on the barbecue. Yeah. There we go. My great at English. I teach this for a living. English has never been my strong suit. <laughs> In case it wasn't obvious. <laughs> but after 25 episodes, y'all should know by now. <laughs> you know. Well, there's something I was going to say. I can't remember now. What was it, Caitlin? I don't know. I took the brain cell back. Well, thank you for joining us on this late night tea-fueled. Yeah. Scare- spooky. <laughs> Scary. Skewers? <laughs> <Skewers? laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> spooky story journey. It's yeah. been fun. And thanks for listening. We'll hopefully it's, have a sponsor soon. This episode has been fun, and the last year has been a absolute blast. Yeah. And I am very happy to have my best friend to do this with. Hmm. This is one of many adventures we've had over the last 16 years now. Oh, yeah. And uh, I am excited for for the future and to see... The continued growth of the show. Aww. Beautiful. And, and I love you. I love you too. And we love you guys. It's a wonderful sentiment. Thank you. I'm filled with love. I got a fart. <laughs> <sighs> I'm just kidding. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you. I just don't have a way with words like Caitlin, you know? It's true. <laughs> Thanks. On that note... <laughs> If you had to sum up the last year of Creeps and Coffee in three words, what would they be? Can I count this as one word? Late nights. Mm-hmm. Coffee. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good company. That is five words. I know that's words. five words, but it's my three thoughts. Math is not either. Okay, good <laughs> coffee. Friend. <laughs> like, that does not sound as good. No, I like that one. Good coffee friend. Good coffee friend. Not good friend coffee, good coffee, <laughs> comma, friend. Yes. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> I think um, fulfilling. Mm. <laughs> See, way with words, guys. <laughs> good. Fulfilling. fulfilling. Coffee. Astounding. <laughs> Fulfilling, educational, mm. and rewarding. Oh, Sound like you're getting a job interview. I feel like I am. Yeah. Describe yourself in three words. <laughs> Hilarious. What's something you look for in a workplace? They think I'm as funny as I do. We gotta go. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> But seriously, we are very grateful for 
the over 1,000 listens we've yeah. had in the last year. It's insane. We are grateful for all of you all over the world that tune into us. And listening on all devices, on all platforms. Mm-hmm. We don't know how on earth you found us or how we got lucky enough to have you listen on a continual basis. Cheeky, how'd you find us? <laughs> Thank but, you. But we are very, very grateful for all of the love and support that you guys give us. And we are very much looking forward to the next year of insanity mm-hmm. that is to come. We've got lots of big plans in the next I have a whole year plan, literally. Got me an Excel spreadsheet and like 20 Google Docs. (laughs) Google, do you want to sponsor us? And I have a notebook. Yeah. So we've got plenty of new stuff coming up in the next year. We've got interviews planned. Mm -hmm. We've got a new segment potentially that I'm really excited about. Yeah. Um, You'll see. Yeah. We'll put subtitles. (laughs) On our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and we hope to have some more interaction with you guys. Yeah. So if you would love to join us on our journey, you can, as always, check us out on Instagram at Creeps and Coffee, on Twitter at Creeps and Coffee, on our YouTube page where we are still slowly but surely updating our back catalog. If you'd like to sponsor us so that I can get a new computer and do that faster, please. You can also help support the show by checking out our Buy Me a Coffee page at buymeacoffee.com slash creepsandcoffee. Or just PayPal me. PayPal also works. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe an OnlyFans. Who knows? Hey, don't tempt me. <laughs> it's oh. just you knitting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even spreading the word about us helps. And we are very grateful for all of you that have done that so far. And we are excited for the journey that is to come. Sorry we're gushing. We just love you. I'm a very gushy person. And I'm not going to apologize for it. I love you guys. (laughs) You guys are the best. (laughs) We'll talk to you next week. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Creeps and Coffee.